Hello, this is Anne, the Multimedia Director of Kearney First United Methodist Church, and you're listening to our Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and uplifted as you listen to this sermon. Thank you for turning in. Let us pray. God, you speak to us as we read Scripture. Send your Holy Spirit to open our ears, hearts, and minds, so we may hear your message for us today. Amen. Today's scripture reading comes from Matt, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, 12, 13, and 16. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judah, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where the Messiah was to be born? And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. When Herod, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, <clears throat> in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Nate. So first, just a word of thanks and celebration. Uh, If you came or didn't come to the World Theater, uh, it was nearly full this last Wednesday as youth and uh, families uh, of our congregation and the community uh, watched The Grinch uh, at the theater. Uh, I'm grateful for McKenna, one of our office staff, and the rest of the staff and uh, volunteers that made that a great event. Thank you for those who helped, and if you see McKenna, do tell her great job. We, are, we did that because we are in this season in which we are reading and holding together the traditional texts and themes of Advent and Christmas with Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas and these words uh, that relate to our candles. Uh, sometimes it's like it is on the wall, though uh, this year we're doing hope, peace, uh, and then light on week three, uh, and then we'll do joy, or love on week four, and joy on Christmas Eve. Now, just to make sure we're aware, uh, today is the third Sunday of Advent. It's four weeks long. Next week, uh, Sunday, is the 24th, and that's the fourth Sunday of Advent. But you might be saying, but pastor, it's the 24th. You know what day that is. But the 24th in the morning at 9 a.m. is our one Advent 4 service, And we'll be doing love and a service of carols and communion. And then in the afternoon at 3, 5, and 7, we will have Christmas Eve with candles. Is that clear enough? So uh, plan your days and week accordingly, please. But we are in this season in which we're exploring the Grinch. So just to make sure that we're all on the same page, in case some of us haven't read our Grinch in a while or didn't see on the Wednesday the movie or haven't seen the Christmas special, the Grinch goes roughly like this. 
There was a Grinch who lived in a cave on the top of Mount Crumpet. Uh, he overlooked the town of Whoville below, Whoville below, and the people who lived there were called Who's. The Grinch hated Christmas, and so devised a plan, a terrible, wonderful, awful idea to steal Christmas. And he goes down into town and takes all of the decorations, all the food, all the Christmas stuff, all the presents from every household and takes them in his sleigh with his Mighty Dog Max, clear up to the tip-tip top of Mount Crumpet, where he's ready to throw them all off. Got it? Sound like familiar? Now we can start. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, breathe in me and breathe in us, that as we ponder together the mystery of your incarnation, and we seek to know who you are and how you act in the world, that we may be given eyes to see, ears to hear, minds and hearts to understand, to love and follow, and voices to proclaim your good news. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Now there's one, the story of the Grinch depends on and begins with one fatal error, one assumption that the Grinch makes, one failure of his character, or in this case, his understanding. The Grinch doesn't know what Christmas is really about. And so the whole story depends on this understanding, because he immediately, because he dislikes and hates Christmas, he plans to undo Christmas by taking away all the Christmas stuff. He assumes that Christmas is connected to the presents and the food and the decorations. And if we don't have that, we don't have Christmas. Everything's great. And then he'll hear all of the who's down in Whoville feeling as sad as he is. Like he waits for them to cry boo-hoo, and wail like he does against the season. But there's something, a glimmer of something else in the middle section of the book. If you take the book and roughly take it into three eco-sections, the center section is all about the first house that he visits to take away all of the Christmas stuff. He's packed everything up. He's dressed as Santa Claus. He's gone down the chimney. He's taken everything and thrown it back up the chimney, including the who hash from the refrigerator. And then when he's about to send up the Christmas tree, little Cindy Lou, who comes out, she wants a glass of water, and she says, Santy, why? Why are you taking our Christmas tree? Why? And the Grinch is quick and dastardly and lies quickly. Oh, my dear. Well, you see that there's a light that's out on one side, and I am going to take it back to my workshop there and then bring it back here. Okay. She goes off to bed in the Christmas special. I think he gives her a candy cane as she's going. Uh, and she goes to sleep. Now, Pastor Matt Rawl, who writes this book, A Heart That Grew Three Sizes, about this, uh, it says 
that he thinks that there's a glimmer of truth underneath of this lie. And perhaps the good lies all do have a truthy sound to them, right? But this truth is that the Grinch is quick to point out the failure of light. And yet, we use this language of light and darkness or lack of light, if literally to say, hey, there are some lights out over there, and figuratively to say, well, that Grinch is kind of dim, right? And so we uh, talk about light in one sense figuratively as a failure to see or an inability to see or understand clearly. You got that dim thing, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, so, I saw him laughing at me. So, there is this figurative sense in which the Grinch is the one who has a light out, who can't see, who can't love as he ought. And so, he sees the brokenness in the tree, supposedly, but not himself. And if we play with and think about this image of light as understanding and darkness as lack of understanding or lack of clarity or lack of vision, then we have to uh, ask, where in our lives do we experience that lately? And perhaps there are lots of ways for us as individuals, but for me, as I've been living through this season and I've been thinking about this for a while, what I keep on seeing and reading is the darkness, both literal and figurative, of the people of Israel and Palestine. Now, uh, we have, Anne, ha went, uh, Anne, who runs the sound booth, uh, is, uh, is continuing to sell olive wood decorations from the city of Bethlehem uh, from Christian families uh, and that is just after she had traveled there in the late in the early fall and so then uh, war erupted in Gaza and we've read about news uh, pieces that have said that there's a lack of electricity or the, the hospitals have been going without electricity in some cases, and this has been tremendously bad. Uh, the Christian leaders of the churches in uh, Bethlehem gathered about a month ago and said, we, because of the situation, are not going to be having any outdoor celebrations for Christmas. There literally are no lights and no Santas running around in this season. Now, admittedly, you should know, if you don't, that Bethlehem is far from Gaza, and they're not the same place, and yet they are related in area. Now, one person in my small group shared this picture that uh, has been going through social media as well as news outlets, and I wanted uh, to share it because it's been challenging and confronting to me. Uh, this is at the Christmas Evangel Evangelical Lutheran Christmas Church in Bethlehem by Pastor Munther Isaac. Uh, this is a nativity that's, I believe, inside of their sanctuary. And you can see that it is uh, a pile of rubble with olive wood crush figures and the baby Jesus lying in the middle, I believe, wearing a crown. Now, 
This is what the assistant pastor, Reverend Dr. Muther Isaac, says about this image. In Gaza today, God is under the rubble. He is in the operating room, and if Christ were to be born today, he would be born under the rubble. We see this, his image in every child killed and pulled from under the rubble, in every child in incubators. Now, this image of a nativity built with rubble and baby Jesus confronts me and makes me uncomfortable. Because I tend to think of Christmas and Advent as a fairly happy and joyful sort of time, and this is how I see and think of nativities, not that. And so I I find it confronting, and I find it that it doesn't fit with how I've understood how I've seen Christmas, how I've seen God act. I don't often think about God's act in the incarnation as being strewn upon rubble. And so uh, perhaps some of us might say, We don't treat the nativity like that. And we most often don't. The image too challenges me because it challenges the way I view God's activity and God's character in the world. And so we may not... uh, Treat the nativity this way. And there are likely as many opinions about uh, this situation uh, in uh, Israel-Palestine and this nativity itself. Uh, There are pros and antis on all sides, I'm sure, in this congregation. And as Matt Raw says, I've never met a person who didn't think that they were right, who didn't think that their opinion was right. So it challenges me. When I thought I saw what God's activity in the world through the incarnation was, and then to see this. But if we can get through the confrontation and the challenge, what this image has also done for me is invited me to pause and to ask, have I missed something in how I see God's activity revealed in the incarnation of God through the birth of Jesus? Have I missed something? Have I misunderstood something of what God is doing in Jesus' birth? And when we start to ask that question, I also wonder if If Herod, had he lived longer, would he have come to a point of asking, did I misunderstand something of who Jesus is? Because our text uh, is one that we often hear uh, after Christmas, either the week after Christmas or part of the Epiphany text, a few weeks after Christmas. And so it's familiar, but this text that Nate read includes these images of light and darkness, of understanding and not understanding. 
So Herod is appointed as king of the Jews by the Roman Senate. He's a a Jewish man, so he should have been excited to hear that uh, the Jewish king was born. When he asks his religious scholars, where in the scriptures does it say that the Christ child, the Messiah, will be born? Uh, They tell him Bethlehem. He should have been excited. He should have said, thank you, God, that it's finally happening, that God is finally doing what God had promised. But he doesn't see the wondrous light and instead is afraid Afraid because this new king could mean a threat to his kingdom power. He doesn't see it as good news, but instead wants to maintain his power. And so, like the Grinch, he seeks to maintain his power and to bring other people suffer by bringing other people suffering. And he enacts a a genocide of children and infants. While lying and saying, you go see, and then I'll go see. But he doesn't see. And we know the story that Jesus and his family escape as refugees in Egypt and then return later. And we know that Herod soon dies, and so it's unlikely. And we know nothing of if he understands or ever sees who Jesus is or what God is doing in Jesus. But we wonder. I wonder. And Matt Raw wonders Does Herod do like the Grinch? When he gets up to the tip, tip, top of Mount Crumpet, or when he's ordered all of his troops to go out and do what they do, does he open the window and stand waiting to hear the wailing? We wonder. And quite frankly, I don't know about you, but I get frustrated this time of year, and sometimes it's just a seasonal angst. But I get frustrated because this is the day that we're supposed to light the pink candle and Mary's song is supposed to be sung, the Magnificat, in which we hear Mary and Zechariah both proclaim that God has done this amazing thing in the birth of Jesus, that he has turned the world right side up or upside down from where it thought it was. And this is a good thing. We hear the angels who have just told Jesus uh, of Jesus' birth to the shepherds in the fields, and we hear them sing, peace on earth and goodwill to all people. And we see the continued not peace in our world globally, in our community, and in our hearts, in our families. And I get frustrated with that tension. Do you? And so faced with that tension, we have at least three sort of conclusions to what we can draw. We can conclude, as some do, that this whole story of Jesus is really not true. That happens to be not my conclusion and likely not ours. But we could. 
We could conclude that some situations uh, are just terrible, and uh, until Jesus comes again in glory to make all things new, that there will be the poor, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, there will be people who seek to uh, control others with forces of violence and power and control. But, and this might be true, and yet perhaps we might question it. Or we could conclude that it is for us as it was always. And particularly as God worked through Jesus, growing him into the, the representation of his kingdom that God took the slow route with Jesus, uh, being born and then having to wait for his growth and develop and maturation, and then uh, as he lives and then dies and then rises to see the way of God's kingdom. God is at work in us too, in the painstakingly slow process of growing us so that we too can reveal God's kingdom. God in Jesus does bring light into the world, a light that cannot be overcome, and yet a light that we sometimes miss. And so may it be that we are a people that see and let the light shine in us, to let the light shine in ways that uh, work through our discomfort and our questions and our tensions to discover a God who is always with us and growing us toward God's kingdom. After all, John in John's gospel begins saying, the light has uh, been seen in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. And two chapters later, Jesus in John's gospel says, the light has indeed come into the world, but the world has not all received it for they loved the darkness. So may we be a people who together seek to see the light that God has already shined in the world and so that we might live with that light guiding our daily paths. May we see that light inspiring us in the midst of things that are hard, things that are uncomfortable, things that are dark, and may we see that God's light is guiding us in the slow journey of being made holy through Christ. The Grinch didn't see. The light was out. But the hand-holding and singing who's down in Whoville somehow had the effect of softening and growing his heart three sizes. And he saw that Christmas was something more and that Christmas was not bought in a store. He had an aha epiphany. Ah, I saw the light moment. And the wise men, they saw the light and then discovered Jesus, God, with us, Emmanuel. But Herod was unable to see the light of what God was doing. 
and so clung to the darkness of power and control. So may we be a people who see that God is, is and has brought God's light in Jesus. And may that light shine a path for our ways. Maybe so. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have found the topics mentioned today to be thought-provoking and meaningful. For more information about our church, ministries, and upcoming events, check out our website at carneyfirstumc.org. If you'd like to join us on Sunday in person or on live stream, our traditional services are at 8.15 and 11 a.m. and our modern service is at 9.30 a.m. We look forward to seeing you next week. And until then, go in peace and may God bless you.